Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you a little? Are you worried? You ridiculous morgoon. My boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week 15 of the college football season. Can't really believe we've made it this far, although uh, there have certainly been some bumps in the road, but I, I think we've got a, uh, a pretty good show this week as we come down the home stretch. We're going to talk, uh, talk some Heisman. We're going to talk the Week 15 slate. We'll talk some, some playoff scenarios, but I got to say, of course, there's no place to start other than Myrtle Beach, where Coastal Carolina upset BYU 22-17. to Everything about this game, so awesome. Uh, BYU, um, you know, did not have a game scheduled. Coastal was set to play Liberty. Uh, of course, Liberty had to back out due to COVID issues. And on two days' notice, um, Coastal Carolina and BYU put this game together. Uh, BYU traveled to Myrtle Beach. You know, the coaching staffs uh, had to do a, a lot of film review, uh, probably a lot of sleepless nights. And we got ourselves a pretty great game on short notice. Uh, this was a lot of talk about whether or not uh, BYU was just going to be too big, uh, especially at the line of scrimmage for, for Coastal Carolina. I think Coastal's center is something like five foot nine, <laughs> and like, you know, I don't know, mid 200 pounds, certainly much smaller uh, than than whoever he was going against on the opposite side of the ball. But right off the bat, Coastal uh, drives down for a touchdown. It becomes pretty clear that we are going to have ourselves a really good ball game. Um, Everything kind of came to a uh, crescendo, if you will, when uh, at the end of the first half, uh, BYU with the ball, quarterback Zach Wilson throws a Hail Mary attempt uh, to end the half, trying to throw a touchdown pass. It gets intercepted, at which point... Two very large defenders from Coastal Carolina, uh, you know, it, it is their right to block the quarterback uh, during the interception return. This was well beyond that. I can't believe it wasn't flagged for unnecessary roughness as it was quite literally unnecessary roughness. But two uh, defensive players turned blockers for Coastal Carolina just manhandling Zach Wilson at the same time. He's just trying to get up, get off the field, and they just keep crushing him which then sparks uh, a big fight uh, between the teams at halftime. You know, I, you, you go into the locker room, you're stewing about, uh, you know, kind of how, how upset you are. And, and that just uh, led to a, a chippy, a feisty, but a well-played second half. Uh, Coastal with the lead, BYU driving to try to win the game late. Um, and, and on the final play, shades of the Titans-Rams Super Bowl with Mike Jones tackling Kevin Dyson inside the one-yard line. Zach Wilson rips off a pass, uh, something like, you know, it was around a 20, 25-yard pass. Great throw, caught it about the five. Looks like the receiver is going to get in, but a great stand by about four or five Coastal Carolina defenders keeping him out of the end zone. And the shots win again, remaining undefeated. So, Great job for them. I mean, it's really, it's neither of these teams are going to the playoff, um, but this is a perfect example of what college football is all about. Just uh, 
everyone that I was talking to seemed to be watching this game. This is at the same time that uh, LSU and, and Alabama are starting, and no one cares at all because it's all about Coastal Carolina and BYU. So really exciting stuff there. Um, congratulations to Coastal, and good job by BYU for, for making this game happen and, and making the trip in, in what was a difficult situation to play this game. Uh, it's It's... A lot of people were saying, you know, oh, well, I guess BYU was was not underrated by the committee to begin with. And that's a completely separate issue. But I do think BYU deserves a ton of credit for playing this game um, on short notice, doing a good job, and, and what a great game it was. Hopefully, we can see more of these sort of last-second scheduling decisions. Not necessarily quite as last-second, but let's get more of these games going in the future. It's, it's been talked about, and actually, this was an idea that uh, I, I used the bracket buster uh, terminology that they use in college basketball. I've been saying that I... I I think I've said it even in previous seasons uh, that it would be nice if we would be able to do this. Um, but, you know, late in the season, if you've got uh, a couple teams that are sort of vying for a playoff spot, let's just leave a date open, uh, see what kind of scheduling we can do, have them play each other, and uh, and we get outcomes like this. So really exciting stuff uh, on a weekend that otherwise was pretty unspectacular. Uh, no outcomes outside of the norm. All of the top teams pretty much rolled uh, I did go one and two with my picks on the week, which it was a pretty fair one and two. Uh, we got a little bit jobbed with with Auburn not being able to cover. Looked like they had a chance to win outright against Texas A&M, but the Aggies were the better team in that one, and the cover was unfortunate. But uh, but hey, one and two, we're back to five hundred. We're going to try and bounce back a little bit this week. Um, before we get into this coming week's slate. I want to talk a little bit about the Heisman Trophy. Um, I think at this point, and I don't, it would take something pretty spectacular for my mind to change, but I think this should be, it's definitely, to be clear, I'm not saying it is, but it should be a two horse race between Florida quarterback Kyle Trask and Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith. There's a lot of talk about Mac Jones and his great numbers. Uh, there's there's talk about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I just, if it's going to a quarterback, Kyle Trask has the best numbers. And this idea that, well, we'll see in the SEC championship game who wins the Heisman based on that game, that doesn't make any sense. This isn't a team award. And I know I'm not advocating for give it to a really good player on a 4-8 team or whatever. That, that doesn't help anything either. And... I'm glad that those days are are long behind us, but it doesn't have to go to the team that goes to the playoff over the team that, you know, misses out on the playoff by by one or two ranking spots. Kyle Trask is having an amazing season. And his numbers in most categories are better than Mac Jones. Mac Jones does have the better QB rating, but you also look at what Kyle Trask did specifically without his number one playmaker, Kyle Pitts. I specifically look back to that Arkansas game. Kyle Pitts was injured. I think he actually missed um, more than one game, but Trask continued to light it up, throwing several uh, touchdown passes in Kyle Pitts' absence. And that shows that, you know, there's a lot of these situations, such as with Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, uh, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts. Are any of these guys canceling each other out because, you know, who's really the star? And with Trask, I think we saw who the star was 
given that he was able to perform so well when Kyle Pitts was injured, getting knocked out in that Georgia game. So if uh, that that's where I land in terms of all the quarterbacks. Now, it can be a little bit harder to compare wide receivers, but Devontae Smith compared to other wide receivers is so far and away the number one guy that I think that's what really elevates him. When you've got guys like in the quarterback position, Trask, Jones, Lawrence, Fields, even Book, uh, Zach Wilson from BYU, someone that was talked about quite a bit, it it definitely shows that you know there's a lot of players at that position performing at a high level. There is no one performing at a level anywhere close to Devontae Smith. He's number two in receptions by a very small margin. He's number one in touchdowns. He's number one in yards by a runaway margin. He is so clearly the best receiver in the country. And I truly, I think if you're just saying who is the best football player in the country this year, I think, I think it's Devontae Smith. That might be where my vote is going. Now, granted, I know it's just much easier to give a quarterback the award. And Trask numbers are unbelievable. I mean, it's hard to really compare stats in a shortened season. But you go, you know, through nine games, through ten games. He's right on par with Joe Burrow, who last year everyone was pretty much in agreement was just about the best statistical season for a college quarterback of all time. So pretty um, pretty hard to ignore Trask numbers. Pretty hard to ignore what Devontae Smith is continuing to do on the field every single week. Um, again, I don't want to take anything away from Mac Jones. He's awesome. And and Trevor Lawrence is awesome. And Justin Fields is awesome. And if, if Trevor Lawrence comes out in the ACC championship game and completely just dominates Notre Dame and it's clear that, you know, the fact that he was missing was a big deal and he shows how truly valuable and excellent he is, I think he'll have some say in the discussion. Uh, because, you know, he, he would clearly be showing what a difference he makes. But at the same time, in this shortened season, you miss a couple games. That's a, a good chunk of your body of work. And unfortunately, that was the case for Trevor Lawrence. So anyway, that's just my, my spiel on the Heisman this year. I've got no skin in the game this year, unlike in past years. So I am not, uh, I'm not just jockeying for my guy. But uh, I think it should definitely be a Kyle Trask versus Devontae Smith battle. And... Uh, and yeah, right now, I don't even I don't know where my vote would go. Uh, but it will be fun to watch these last couple weeks of the season uh, to let that picture play out. With that, uh, I will I will save the uh, the playoff scenario talk for the end of the show, and uh, and let's let's get into the week fifteen slate. It is changing minute to minute, so. I'm sorry if I I've, I've don't have the most up-to-date information for you uh, when you're listening to this, but uh, you should always check your local listings before, uh, before planning your college football Saturday schedule. But you also got some Friday night action. I say you have Friday night action. As I'm saying this, I am seeing word that Utah at Colorado is being moved to Saturday at noon. So it'll be... Uh, early out there in in Colorado um and this is one of my picks of the week even with the the change in time of the game I like Colorado uh I I got them laying one point uh again these all might have moved a little bit I gave them out on Twitter on Monday but uh, Colorado laying a point Carl Durrell first year coach for the Buffs uh you know much maligned higher when it happened but really doing a nice job um Colorado has 
you know, they've played a lot of close games and not necessarily against the best of the best uh, throughout the Pac-12, but there isn't really a best of the best in the Pac-12. They're doing a nice job. They're 4-0 and uh, playing at home. I think they should be able to get the win against Utah. So I like riding with Colorado there. Also at noon, um, not that I expect this to be much of a game, but as I've said in the past, this late in the season, got to keep an eye on the teams vying for playoff spots. So Alabama at Arkansas, you know, keep an eye on that just to make sure nothing weird happens. Also at noon, Oklahoma laying 12 and a half points at West Virginia. I like the Sooners in this one. They burned me last week. We're going to go back to the well here. Um, you know, could this game have any sort of college football playoff impact? Probably not. Um, but I, Iowa State did jump up to seven in the most recent committee rankings. So you got to think that if Oklahoma were to win this game, win the Big 12 championship, they would jump at least into that spot. And, you know, if, if there are a couple losses in front of them, all of a sudden seven could turn into four, especially with a conference championship uh, designation by their name. So I, I certainly wouldn't count on it, but it is not completely out of the realm of possibility for a team like Oklahoma to jump all the way up and maybe grab a playoff spot. Um, the last game at noon that I will mention, just because it is another one of my picks this week, uh, Wake Forest at Louisville. I like Wake getting two and a half points. Wake has been dealing with some COVID issues, so that is definitely a concern for the roster. But no matter who they have left, I like them to win outright against a Louisville team that is in complete shambles right now. Uh, Head coach Scott Satterfield for the Cardinals interviewed for the South Carolina job uh, earlier last week. And, you know, news got out and basically there's no trust uh, in that locker room. Uh, He's... You know, the fan base is very upset. I think some of the administration is upset. There's, it's just, it's a very bad situation. A lot of distractions around the Louisville program. I just cannot expect them to come out mentally prepared to play this game. In, a, in, in what's really a meaningless game this late in the season, it's so easy, especially given all the protocols and everything happening um, that, that goes into having to play one of these games. So difficult. Um, and, and for that reason, I just, I could see Louisville completely folding up shop. Um, so whoever wake is able to put out there, I like them to win the game outright. So getting the two and a half points feels like a steal, uh, moving ahead to three o'clock on the East coast, uh, coastal Carolina, uh, goes to Troy. I actually had this game as one of my picks, uh, like a month ago. Uh, before that game was canceled. I think I'm I'm laying a few more points now than I was then. Um, but uh, laying 12 and a half, I, I said we were going to ride the shots until they didn't cover. Last week, the change in schedule scared me off a little bit. I, I certainly didn't pick against them, uh, but but didn't make them one of my picks. This week, we're going back. We're going to keep riding the shots, laying the 12 and a half. I just don't know why they aren't like a 21-point favorite against anyone who's not a ranked team every single time. 330 uh, in the ACC, probably, you know, no, no real playoff implications here, but North Carolina at Miami should just be a good game. Maybe looking through the slate, maybe the very best game of the day. So if you're actually uh, looking for a good football game to watch, North Carolina at Miami could be a good one. Miami, uh, really good pass rushers on that team. North Carolina showed, I think, against Notre Dame that if that offensive line has to face a good defensive line, uh, Sam Howell can be in a lot of trouble and have a hard time uh, getting the football uh, 
to his talented playmakers, both at running back and receiver. So, you know, definitely more offensive firepower for North Carolina than Miami, but Miami can probably neutralize a lot of what North Carolina wants to do. I expect this to be a pretty good back and forth game. Um, hmm. Give me the Tar Heels in this one. Um, but boy, that is, uh, I think it's going to be a tight one. Uh, but ultimately, I think Howell can make just enough plays on this totally up and down season for the Tar Heels. Um, I think they they edge out a win. Something like 35 to 28 is my best guess in that one. Uh, I, I did have Indiana minus nine as, uh, as one of my picks against Purdue. Just learned that game has been canceled, so we can cross that one off the list. Uh, seven o'clock, Florida plays LSU. Don't expect this one to be close, but it's in the category of keep an eye on it. Who knows? Something weird might happen. Um, you, you know, you, you just want Florida to come out of this game healthy and ready to go for the big SEC championship game uh, a week later. 7.30, USC at UCLA. Chip Kelly seems to be turning the corner a little bit with the Bruins. Uh, this will be a good measuring stick. USC playing after playing on a Sunday night. Um, so, you know, a slightly shorter week for the Trojans. See what they can do against the Bruins. Should be a pretty good back-and-forth game. A chance for USC to prove that, you know, they're, they're a pretty good team. I don't know why Ohio State is getting so much more love than USC outside of, you know, success in, in recent years. Because what they've both done on the field is just about identical this year. Um, you know, they've both really, you know, they've crushed, like, two teams. Um, I guess, you know, Ohio State didn't quite deal with the the near train wrecks of, of Arizona and Arizona State. So I don't want to, I don't want to exaggerate how close they are, but it's a little bit strange to me that we're looking at it. Ohio State is controlling their own destiny in the college football playoff, currently sitting at number four, and USC is, you know, banished to like the teens or 20s. So just uh, doesn't quite make sense to me. But again, um, certainly an opportunity for USC to prove that it does belong in the top 10. Um, and a chance for UCLA to maybe take a step forward. This would be one of the biggest wins of the of the Chip Kelly era. So uh, certainly uh, worth watching there at 730. And the last game uh, that I'll mention just because it is one of my picks of the week, a little Pac-12 after dark, Stanford going to Oregon State. Oregon State getting three and a half in this one. And while I think the two teams are probably pretty even, and I know Oregon State lost their quarterback in that win against Oregon, the fact that Stanford has to deal with their travel situation just has to weigh on this team. Um, You know, because of restrictions in their county, they have to pretty much stay on the road uh, and they handled it well in their win uh, this past week. But now to to go from a game to a week of preparation to playing another game all without going home, it just uh, would be, I don't know, it seems like a lot to put on the plates of, of a bunch of college kids. And it's probably hard on the staff as well, who's, you know, displaced and away from their family. So certainly a challenging situation. And one that I just think is going to show up on the field in terms of what we see from Stanford. So I would see this as I, I'd give the slight edge to Oregon State to win outright. So you're getting three and a half points. Uh, seems like uh, a good bet to make there. That's about it for the slate. Again, not uh, 
at this point, we're just kind of waiting for for championship Saturday and uh, and and then getting into the playoff and some of these major bowls because we just haven't had the great matchups uh, that that you know it's it's been rare that a game has been both uh, exciting and meaningful and uh, and hopefully we are we are going to be getting some more of those soon. But those are the games that I think are worth keeping an eye on this coming Saturday. Now, let's talk a little bit about playoff paths and what should be considered when looking at playoff resumes. In listening to a lot of talking heads discuss the issue, I've heard a couple, I've heard two questions that I would prefer to never hear again. And and they're pretty, they're similar questions. They're, they're first cousins of a question. First one is, you know, you're comparing Team A and Team B, and someone says, well, what do you think the spread would be if those two teams played? That does not matter at all. I do not need to hear this question again. Yes, Vegas is very good at ranking teams. Okay? that I'm, I'm not arguing with that. I'm not saying that I am more equipped to say who is a better team than a bookmaker in Vegas. That is not what I'm saying at all. And I'll bring in the second question now so that I can just tackle them all at once. The second one is, who do you think would win? Which is really just another version of, it, instead of asking who does Vegas think would win, it's who do you think would win? My point is, no person on earth is capable of giving a valid, everyone's opinion of who they think would win is valid, but nobody's opinion matters at all. How many people thought that BYU was going to beat Coastal Carolina. Vegas certainly did. Vegas thought Wisconsin was going to beat Northwestern. Then Vegas thought Northwestern was going to beat Michigan State. Vegas thought Clemson was going to beat Notre Dame. There's a reason that we play these games and nobody's opinion is worth more than what has actually happened. That's why when we get into the discussion of best versus most deserving, that's why you always have to go to most deserving because most deserving is based on actual evidence. Best is just based on eye test. You know, such a stupid term. But best is based on eye test. A lot of times it's colored by biases or, you know, recent history in other years, which really does not matter. Each season is its own season. Even if the players are the same, each season is its own season. That's why the question of best versus most deserving should always go to most deserving because there is an actual basis of information behind it. Who have you played? Who have you beaten? Who have you lost to? How much did you win or lose these games by? These are the facts that we have. Why are we ignoring them and just saying who we think would win in a hypothetical game that we have no idea who would win? Doesn't make any sense. So let's get to the meat of the issue, sponsored by DeBraga Meats. The highest quality meats this holiday season, if you're looking for like a nice prime rib with Christmas dinner, anything, you want to give a gift to a you know friend or family member, go to DeBraga.com, D-E-B-R-A-G-G-A.com. They've got so much to choose from. If you want, you can just give a gift card as a gift. I've done it. People have been very happy with these gift cards. Let them choose whatever they want or get it for yourself. 
You're going to love it. It's delicious, top quality, New York City steakhouse, restaurant quality meat. I had a couple, I had a burger the other night, A plus, just A plus. You barely have to even cook these things. That's how good they are. Use promo code SCOOP, that's S-C-O-O-P. Get 15% off your first order. You're not going to regret it. Again, that's debraga.com, promo code SCOOP. So to the meat of the issue, it all comes back to the teams that haven't played as many games in the Pac-12, the Big Ten. And so much of what makes a team deserving of a spot in the college football playoff and really deserving of a higher ranking. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about the college football playoff as it's this, you know, thing that everyone is, is trying to attain. And, and of course it is, but really this is just how we should be ranking all teams. And, and, and this kind of criteria shouldn't just stop just because, oh, well, they're not really being considered for a playoff spot. So what does it even matter where they rank? This is how we should be looking to rank teams. And going through that, this is the most deserving. A key part of that in college football is surviving the season. That is a key part of it. Can you get through week after week after week without stepping in a hole? And I've said this, this is now going to be the third time this season on the podcast that I've said this, but it's worth repeating. Because so often I'm hearing people on TV say, I don't need to see more than five or six games to know that Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country. First of all, you don't. That's, that was what we just discussed about two minutes ago. But second of all, that's not the point. The point is that a couple years ago, when based on five or six games, everyone was so sure that Ohio State was one of the best teams in the country, they got crushed by Purdue. And I know I've brought this up at least three times because I've heard from one of my listeners who may or may not have been the eminent commander at a fraternity at Purdue that, you know, he thought I was kind of taking a shot at Purdue for not being that good. On the contrary, I am pointing out one of their highlights of the last decade, crushing an Ohio State team with Rondell Moore running all over the field. This can happen. It's hard to win every single week in college football. And if you play fewer games, it is more likely that you will avoid losing. That's pretty simple. If you can't get on board with that statement, then there's no reason for you to be listening to me talk right now. There's probably no reason for you to be listening to me talk right now anyway, but you've already made this decision. I can't help you there. Maybe you're just in it for the 15% off the delicious, delicious meats that you can get at debraga.com. Still no word on the kangaroo meat. But surviving and winning is important, and that is why this is, not, this is not an Ohio State issue. This isn't even a Big Ten issue. It's just we, we, we're, we're, we're getting rid of all logic and reason. You have to play games. Anyone's opinion that Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country based on seeing them play two, three games, what are we doing? If we're just saying based on talent, then let's just take the recruiting rankings— over the four-year span or five-year span, if they've got fifth-year seniors, see what the, the recruiting services say are the four best rosters in college football and just put them in the playoff. We don't need to play games. We don't need a regular season. It doesn't matter who's the best team. It matters who played the best football that season. And if, if a team's only played five games compared to another team that's played 10, 
The team that played five probably didn't play the best football this season. They'd have to look really, really good in those five games. And Ohio State hasn't. The best team they played, Indiana, who is a good team. I don't want to take anything away from Indiana. They're probably on par with, say, a North Carolina or... I don't think they're as good as Oklahoma, but they've had about as good a season as Oklahoma, I guess. So, you know, North Carolina, Oklahoma, probably up there with, say, USC, maybe. Ohio State beat this team by seven points, by far their best outcome of the season. All of this is to say, I don't think this is all going to matter, because if Alabama beats Florida or Notre Dame beats Clemson, there is going to be a spot available for Ohio State. Let's say only one of those outcomes happen. Let's say the favorites win out and Alabama knocks Florida out. Uh, Clemson beats Notre Dame, but Clemson and Notre Dame are both in. And there's only one spot available then in the college football playoff for, say, Texas A&M or Ohio State. I don't have a huge problem with Ohio State being in over Texas A&M. For the you know, simple reason that Texas A&M, their one loss was against Alabama, who will be in the field. And Texas A&M got absolutely blown out. So therefore, I don't need Texas A&M in the playoff to determine if they're the best team in the country because I know that they are not better than Alabama. So I don't have a big problem with Ohio State taking that spot away from Texas A&M. If I'm Texas A&M and I'm a fan of them, I understand that argument. Hey, we've played this whole season. You haven't. And if you played a whole season, there's a better chance you would have slipped up and lost a game. And then we would be back in. But just from the, from the general outside college football perspective, Texas A&M is not the best team in the country, so therefore, I don't have a big problem with them being left out. Whereas Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, maybe Florida, maybe Ohio State, I think all of those teams still could say, hey, we are the best team in the country. And I know Florida lost to Texas A&M, but it was on the road, it was really close, and when that happens, I think, you know, you, you still keep your hat in the ring. Clemson, really close at Notre Dame without some players. Their hat's certainly still in the ring. Alabama and Notre Dame goes without saying, hat's still in the ring. And Ohio State, hat's still in the ring. So there we are. In terms of playoff paths, I just... If you're a Notre Dame fan, I am not quite as sure that, uh, as Kirk Herbstreit said, if... if, if Clemson and Florida both win, uh, that, that it's just the Florida, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio, uh, Alabama as the top four. Let's just, that would be the scary situation for Notre Dame fans. We've seen some dirt before and it just would not shock me to see Ohio State leapfrog Notre Dame in that instance. Um, so I think as Notre Dame fans, you probably want to root for Alabama to take care of business, um, against if listen if Notre Dame beats Clemson root for whoever you want you probably won't even be watching you'll just be celebrating that'll be awesome but if Notre Dame loses to Clemson especially if it's by more than seven points which is kind of a ridiculous metric because I've seen a lot of close games that end up being you know 14 17 points um if Notre Dame loses to Clemson you better be rooting for Alabama to beat Florida because we've just seen the committee do Weird things, and it seems that Ohio State seems to benefit. I said seems a lot of times there in a very short amount of time. Um, The committee seems to reward 
Ohio State all the time. 2014, 2016, potentially this year. The rules always seem to bend just perfectly in their favor. So we will see what happens. Um, That's it for this week. Enjoy the Week 15 slate. Next week should be a really fun show uh, going deep on the Big Ten, ACC, and SEC championship games. Uh, We'll have big-time predictions. We'll have a very clear picture of what's what and who should be rooting for what and uh, and should be fun coming down the stretch. So thank you very much for listening, and uh, and I look forward to talking next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.